Lost, Long Years Ago By Ms. Alex W.P. They take almost everything from you when you get to Azkaban. Your wand, of course. Your clothing. Tiny bits of your soul. But curiously, they didn't take Sirius's engagement ring. And that, perhaps, was part of the punishment. The ring still fit during the first year in that terrible place. But lumpy gruel and scraps of dry bread made the muscles waste from Sirius's body, and one night, the ring slipped off his emaciated finger in his sleep. He panicked the next morning as he scrambled to find it among the tangle of threadbare sheets, and when he finally saw it on the dirty floor under his bed, the Dementors heard his relieved crying and swooped to his cell, like vultures on carrion, to suck out that tiny glimmer of something that wasn't despair. Since it no longer fit the finger Remus put it on, Sirius started wearing the ring on his middle finger. Then on his left thumb. Then on his right thumb. And when it stopped fitting on any of his fingers, he ripped the filthy hem off his prison smock, strung the ragged fabric through the ring, tied a fat knot, and looped it around his neck. There it stayed for the next decade. But then, when Padfoot slipped his skeletal body through the narrow iron bars of his cell and dove into the icy depths of the North Sea, the ring fell away without him even noticing. It was Azkaban's last, cruelest trick. Then again, Remus wasn't wearing his either. Not when Sirius saw a glimpse of him on the Hogwarts grounds during Harry's Quidditch match or when they embraced in the muddled chaos of the Shrieking Shack. He wasn't even wearing it when Sirius appeared on Remus's doorstep in Wales on Dumbledore's orders after the Diggory boy was killed. Hiya, Mooney. Hello, Sirius. Smells the same, Sirius says, as Remus steps aside to let him into the little cottage, and he immediately wishes he hadn't said anything at all. His voice is so different now, rough from age and disuse and too much time as a barking, growling dog, and besides, who talks about smells anyway. But Remus only gives him a hollow, nervous laugh. Yep, he agrees shortly, and his voice is different, too. Deeper. Raspier. Tight and tired. Ocean air and weed. They stand awkwardly in the front entryway for a moment until Remus gestures them into the kitchen and Sirius follows. How's Harry? Remus asks. A mess. Brave as hell, though. That fucking kid is incredible. I know, Remus says. You hungry? Is that a trick question? Sirius asks, attempting something like a joke, but Remus's face crumbles in anguish. Oh, fuck, Sirius, I'm sorry, he says. That was, ugh, God. I'm so. Hey, Sirius interjects. Can you cool it with the self-flagellation shit, please? Yes, I'm fucking hungry, okay? I'll eat whatever you have. Yeah, okay, Remus mutters, running a hand through his grain curls, and looking around the kitchen like a lost puppy for a few seconds before opening a can of soup, dumping it into a bowl, and pointing his wand to heat it up. Here you go. Thanks, Sirius says and eats quickly without even sitting down. Remus watches him swallow every spoonful, and offers him some toast next. Do you want cinnamon sugar on it? He asks quietly with his back to Sirius. Cinnamon sugar. 
how could such decadence exist? Yeah, alright, Sirius replies, and he licks the sweet, buttery crumbs off each fingertip when he finishes. Scrambled eggs. Remus offers next, nervously tapping a finger on the kitchen counter. Sirius nods, and eats those, too. Remus keeps digging around the kitchen for more food, as though he's afraid to stop moving, and leans his head into the freezer. How about chicken nuggets? What the fuck is a chicken nugget? Remus shows him how to work the shower next, you turn the handle this way for hot water, sometimes it gets stuck, though, so be careful, and gives him a towel and a pair of his own clean pajamas to wear. Sirius spent the past year bathing in icy, highland streams as Padfoot, and before that, had only a basin of cold water and a bar of harsh lye soap that flayed his skin red and raw in Azkaban, and he stays in the shower for a long time, until the hot water starts to sputter and cool. Everything is so soft, the towel, the pajamas, and it feels like too much, too soon, so he transforms into Padfoot and curls up on the damp bath mat until Remus knocks on the door an hour later to check on him. He doesn't turn back into himself, only whimpers a little to let Remus know it's okay to open the door, and Remus sits on the cold tile floor next to him, stroking behind Padfoot's ears and along his skinny ribs like he used to during the war when neither had the words for what was happening to them. Remus falls asleep with his head leaned back against the hard bathroom cabinet, and when they wake up a few hours later in the middle of the night, disoriented and grumpy, it's with Padfoot's head in Remus's lap and Remus folded in half on top of him. Muscle memory doesn't lie. But it still hurts. They fall into an uneasy routine. Remus insists that Sirius take his bed while he sleeps on the couch, and they get into their first of many arguments about it when Sirius refuses and stubbornly transforms into Padfoot instead, curling up on a blanket on the living room floor, which feels more familiar after Azkaban anyhow. Remus's shoulders are perpetually tense, his jaw is always tight, and his eyebrows are constantly knitted together in pain or frustration or both. He looks older and more tired, but still just as handsome as when they couldn't keep their hands off each other. Sirius longs to touch him. He'd love for them to kiss, or even better, fuck, but he'd be content with anything. A hug. A peck on the forehead. A brush of fingertips against his wrist. Anything. At all. He wonders how two people whose bodies are right next to each other can seem so far apart. But they don't touch, at least not when they're both human. Remus is too tightly wound, reserved and overly polite in a way Sirius doesn't recognize. Sirius isn't sure what he expected when Dumbledore told him to lie low at Lupin's, but he feels stupid that he wore his engagement ring for all those years and even stupider that he cried after he realized he'd lost it in the North Sea. Sirius keeps his distance and feels yet another part of himself wilt and fade. The only time they touch is when Sirius is padfoot. The dog doesn't seem to have the same worries and hesitations, and curls against Remus's side or onto his chest every night while they watch muggle television together on the couch. Remus is always stiff and nervous for the first few minutes after they sit down. But soon his body melts into Padfoot's soft, warm fur, his sore muscles easing and his breathing steadying, and Sirius wishes Remus could feel that free to nuzzle against his human self, too. Sirius quite likes chicken nuggets, 
even though they don't resemble any part of a chicken that he's ever seen, and Remus keeps the freezer stocked with them. Remus brings home something called honey mustard, too, which makes them even better. Sirius thanks him up and down, but Remus only nods, his lips held in a tight line. They take long walks in the woods, where Sirius spends most of the time as Padfoot, running ahead on the forest path and chasing after bugs, and it feels freeing, but a little scary, to be under the sky and the trees with so much space around him and without looking over his shoulder. But still, Remus is quiet and stoic, even when Padfoot bounds up to him excitedly with sticks in his mouth, eager to play. They talk mostly about things that don't matter, like what to watch on TV or the weather, unless they're talking about Voldemort and his Death Eaters. Remus still doesn't smile much, and after three weeks the invisible wall he's built between them has only gotten thicker and higher, and Sirius is tired of hoping it will break down. Remus's clothes are too big for Sirius, but he wears them anyhow while he stays at the cottage during the day and tries to make himself useful cleaning or cooking while Remus works odd jobs and meets with Dumbledore, who's trying to reassemble the Order of the Phoenix. Neither of them are particularly keen on being recruited as soldiers for a second war, but Sirius would do anything to protect Harry, and if that means rejoining Dumbledore, he'll do it without hesitation. Remus is harder to convince, and it makes Sirius so angry that sometimes when they argue about it, he transforms into Padfoot and growls at him, baring his teeth and raising his hackles, until Remus gives up and storms out of the cottage, slamming the door behind him so hard that pictures fly off the walls. You know, you could just talk to me as a human instead of being a fucking coward and turning into Padfoot every time things get hard, Remus spits at the growling dog the night before the full moon, when the sticky July rain lashes at the slate roof and thunder rumbles and rattles the window panes. Somewhere, deep in the back of Padfoot's canine brain, Sirius knows Remus doesn't mean that. Knows the approaching full moon makes him agitated and not himself. Knows Remus will regret the words immediately and beat himself up for years for letting them out of his mouth. But that's not what he says when Padfoot disappears and Sirius steps toward Remus feeling like his skin is on fire with rage. I'm the coward. Sirius growls in a deep, dangerous voice that sounds more like an angry animal than himself. How about you, who can't relax unless I'm a dog? How about you? Who let his fiancé rot in prison for twelve fucking years? Who didn't even try to find me for months after you knew I was innocent? Remus just stands in front of him, shaking his head, his chest heaving, his hands balled into fists that turn his knuckles white, and says nothing. Wow, you really don't have anything to say to me, do you? Sirius says, his voice thick with derision. You can talk to me about the goddamn fucking weather for 45 minutes or how you don't think it's worth your bloody time to fight for Harry, but you can't talk about this. Shut up, Sirius, shut up right now, Remus whispers, his voice shaking. No, I won't shut up. Sirius yells. I know you'd rather I stay a fucking dog all the time. Easier to deal with that way, aren't I? Why should I be surprised you won't fight for Harry when you never even fought for me? You don't know what you're talking about, Remus says through gritted teeth, and Sirius is grimly satisfied to see that he's fighting back tears. Don't I? Sirius hisses back. Twelve fucking years, Remus. One hundred and forty-two full moons. 
I counted every single one of them, and nothing from you. Nothing. I waited. For nothing. You didn't try then, and you're not trying now. I did fucking try. Remus screams, his voice breaking, his face contorted with rage and pain. A vase explodes behind him, and little shards of glass splinter through the air. You don't think I fucking tried? You never seem to remember what I am, serious. And even after twelve years in prison, you're still such a spoiled brat you can't fathom what it might be like to live as an outcast. I wrote to every single member of the Wazangamot for you. I haunted the Auror office for you for months, and all they did was escort me from the grounds of the ministry because of what I am. I couldn't show my face in Diagon Alley or Hogsmeade for years after I spoke up for you. I couldn't find work. I had to leave England. Why do you think I live in my parents' shithole cottage in East Arsfuck, Wales? I tried. I tried, even though my own fiancé thought I was a spy. Even though my own fiancé thought I would kill our best friends. And even after all that, I never told anyone you were an animagus. Ever. Even after you broke into the Gryffindor dormitory and stood over a thirteen-year-old kid with a knife like a fucking psychopath. It was all I could do to put my life back together and not give in to the urge to off myself every damn day for the last thirteen years. So fuck you, I'm a coward. Fuck you. Remus turns and punches a hole straight through the drywall in the tiny living room. A cloud of dust and debris flies into the air and more glass explodes. He's sobbing and pulling at his hair with bloodied fingers. He collapses onto the floor and curls into himself among the wreckage of the ruined wall. Sirius's first instinct is to transform into Padfoot and hide. But he doesn't. Instead he takes one hesitant step forward, and when Remus doesn't hex him, he takes another, and another, until they're right next to each other. Why didn't you tell me? Sirius says, and he realizes he's crying, too. I've been here for weeks, why didn't you tell me? Because what the fuck difference does it make? Remus sobs into his trembling hands. Everything died the day Lily and James died. You. Us. Me. Especially fucking me. I'm a ghost, Sirius. I'm a living ghost. I barely exist. And now you, you. Remus is too incoherent to keep talking. He takes great, shuddering gulps of air and cries like a man who hasn't let himself feel anything for thirteen years. Sirius kneels down next to him and crawls closer, so close that their bony knees knock together, and carefully, very carefully, wraps his arms around Remus's shaking shoulders. It makes Remus cry harder when Sirius pulls him close, and harder still when Sirius places a gentle hand against the back of Remus's neck and draws him to his chest. You do exist, Mooney, Sirius sobs into Remus's neck. You do exist. We both exist. Remus clutches Sirius's t-shirt like he's scrabbling for purchase at the edge of a cliff, and they hold each other for hours, rocking and crying, until they both fall asleep on the cold wooden floor. When Sirius opens his eyes the next morning, he's momentarily dazed by how bright and vibrantly colorful the room is, and he realizes it's the first time he hasn't woken up as Padfoot in many years. The storm from the night before has cleared, 
and Remus is curled up next to him, still asleep, with an arm flung across Sirius's middle. A piece of broken drywall is stuck to Remus's cheek, and Sirius gently brushes it away, then pulls his second-hand wand out of his back pocket. He waves it once to clean up the mess, then again to mend the hole that Remus punched into the wall. He extracts himself from under Remus's arm and levitates him as softly as he can onto the couch, covers him with a blanket, and sets about making them breakfast. He returns to the living room with a tray of tea, toast, and jams to see Remus slowly sitting up and rubbing his eyes sleepily. He, too, looks a little disoriented as he blinks around the sunny living room, down at himself, and then, finally, at Sirius. Morning, Mooney, Sirius says, and settles onto the end of the couch at Remus's feet. He places the tea tray onto the coffee table between them and hands Remus his tea just the way he likes it, steeped with two tea bags and drowned in milk. Remus takes it with a muttered thank you, then sips it quietly while Sirius spreads Remus's favorite marmalade onto a piece of toast for him. The tea's good, thanks, Remus says. I'd never forget how you like it. It's so weird, Sirius answers. Remus laughs a little, just a tiny exhale out of his nostrils, and stares into his cup. Sirius, I'm sorry about last night, Remus says quietly. I can't believe I lost my temper like that. I'm so fucking embarrassed. But Sirius only shakes his head and gives him a small smile. Things feel different somehow this morning. Lighter. Exorcised. Don't be, Sirius says. I think we needed that. Remus nods in agreement. Yeah, maybe we did. Sirius hands Remus his toast, and they eat in silence for a few minutes until Remus shifts closer and takes Sirius's hand, lacing their fingers together. I've missed you, Sirius, he whispers, and looks down at their joined hands. There aren't words to describe how much. But Sirius doesn't need words to know. He lifts Remus's hand to his lips and kisses his knuckles, which are still open and raw from last night, then waves his wand to heal them. Remus leans his head against Sirius's shoulder, and after they finish their breakfast, they both fall back to sleep. They leave that night for a wild expanse of forest in the farthest reaches of the Scottish Highlands, and when the full moon rises in the sky above them, Padfoot and Mooney are overjoyed at their reunion. They bound through the trees, exploding with love, barking and leaping madly, nuzzling and licking at each other's muzzles, before finally curling up together on a soft patch of moss at the edge of a rolling, rocky hill blanketed in heather. The next morning they wake up well rested, their muscles pleasantly sore and their arms and legs tangled around each other. Remus feels good, with no injuries at all, and they stay on that hilltop all day together, eating wild berries, catching fish and cooking over a fire, and drinking from a bubbling stream. It's beautiful there, with the bright July sun warming their skin and the steady, sleepy drone of buzzing insects all around them. They talk about things that Sirius thought he had long ago forgotten, happy memories of birthdays and pranks, of babysitting Harry and moving into their little flat in London together. Do you remember that ugly couch? The one with embroidered gold flowers that James found on the side of the road? You were convinced something was living in it, Remus laughs. Something was living in it, Mooney, flees. Sirius says, and Remus laughs harder.
only because you put them there, you mangy mutt. The sun is sinking below the trees when the subject swings to the war, to the broken promises and bitter distrust that festered between them. They realize they both had Wormtail whispering in their ear about the other while their friends were dying, one by one, and while Dumbledore played a quiet game of chess that only he could see. Doesn't excuse anything, though, Remus says, leaning back on his hands and looking out at the dark green valley and the lock below them, which sparkles and shimmers in the dying sunlight. I should have told you everything. I should have told you the things Peter was saying about you and where I was going with the werewolves. We were supposed to tell each other everything. We were supposed to stick together, and we didn't. We were doing what we were asked to do. What we thought was right, Sirius says. And in truth, I was so afraid of losing James, I would have done anything. I'm ashamed of how little it took for me to believe you were the spy, Remus. Remus only nods, brushing a stray tear from his cheek, and Sirius gazes at his beautiful, prematurely lined profile and the way his tawny curls glow like a halo in the evening sunlight. We were kids, and afraid, and being manipulated by everyone around us, Sirius says. And now it's happening again. To us and to Harry, Remus answers. His eyelids are heavy, and he's staring off into the distance at the sunset that's painting the sky in watery streaks of umber and crimson and at the clouds that drift lazily over the treetops. We won't let it happen again, Sirius insists, but Remus shakes his head. It's too late, Remus laughs bitterly, his eyes following a hawk as it swoops and glides, majestic, on the wind. It's already happening. And we're already letting it. It'll be different this time, Sirius says. How? Remus asks, looking at him at last. Remus's amber eyes search Sirius's grey ones, desperate for an answer. Because we'll have each other, Sirius replies bracingly, looking Remus straight in the eye and not looking away. For real. Nothing will come between us, Remus. I won't let it. Not when I've finally gotten you back. Remus lets out a little gasp and his mouth falls open. You want me back, he asks in a shaking voice, and Sirius decides that now is not the time to be hesitant or afraid. Life is too brittle and too short for such things. Desperately, Sirius says, and Remus grips his hand and nods as tears fall thickly down his cheeks. I don't think you're a coward, Sirius, Remus says. I think you're the bravest person I've ever known. They apparate back to Remus's cottage hand in hand, and there, among the twisting brambles and wild roses in the front garden, surrounded by fireflies and beneath a twinkling diamond sky, they kiss gently and sweetly. And for the first time in thirteen years, the chains around Sirius's heart finally begin to loosen and fall away. Remus's lips are just as soft and full as Sirius remembers them, his large, Calloused hands just as strong and insistent as they grip Sirius's hips in a way that makes him feel things he never thought his body would feel again. He's lost in Remus immediately, just like he always was, and it's blissful, letting his mind go empty and fuzzy after so many years of darkness haunting its corridors. Remus traces his fingers down the tight tendons in Sirius's neck and along the two sharp edges of his collarbone, as though he doesn't care that Sirius's body is ruined, as though he loves it anyway. Remus brings a sure hand to the middle of Sirius's back, 
his wide palm running up and down as he pulls them closer together, so close that their hips are flush. Sirius feels his knees go weak, and he laughs at himself against Remus's lips. What? Remus rasps with a lust-thick voice. Sirius leans their foreheads together and squeezes his eyes closed, laughing again. You're making me swoon like a trembling virgin, Mooney, he says. Remus laughs, too, and drags his lips across Sirius's jaw and down his neck, laving his tongue against his racing pulse point. I know you're no virgin, Padfoot, Remus replies, with a scrape of teeth against his throat, his deep voice sending hot sparks across Sirius's skin. I'll make your body remember everything it forgot. A few minutes ago, the night could have gone a different way. It could have ended with that first, chaste kiss, with innocent handholding and tentative cuddles. But Remus's words and the sharpness of his teeth go straight to Sirius's groin, and the tenuous hold on whatever control Sirius thought he had slips through his grip and into the palm of Remus's hand. Make me remember, Remus, Sirius murmurs, tipping his head forward into the crook of Remus's neck and grasping his biceps. I want you to make me remember everything. Remus growls low in his throat, as though Sirius's words were all it took for the dominant wolf to finally break free and stake his rightful claim. Remus always held back, never took what he wanted or needed, always resisted his instinct until Sirius coaxed it out of him, pushing and prodding until Remus snapped and possessively crowded him against a wall or fucked him into the mattress. Sirius would thrust himself hungrily onto Remus's cock with a Cheshire cat grin, leaving no doubt between either of them who was actually in charge, but both of them enjoying the charade, nonetheless. Now, though, Sirius is eager to be truly submissive, perhaps for the first time in his life. He wants to be held and cradled and fucked until his mind goes quiet. He wants Remus to take him apart, to lay out every one of his broken pieces, and put them back together in his own image. And Remus wants that, too. He wants it badly, more than anything. Sirius can smell it, can feel it in the magic sparking off Remus's body, and he realizes that this is why Remus has kept himself so closed off over the past several weeks. Self-preservation. No more. Remus grabs Sirius by the arms and kisses him fiercely, all tongue and teeth, and it's filthy and delicious. He runs his hands in opposite directions along Sirius's body, one down his back, the other up his neck, and he closes his fingers around Sirius's hair and grips the flesh of his arse until Sirius is completely engulfed by him. Sirius pushes and ruts against Remus desperately, and whines into his mouth. Take me. Take me now, please. Patience, Padfoot, Remus bites into his neck, and Sirius hears the control there, rippling through his words, and it only makes him grind harder against Remus's thick cock as it strains against his trousers. Remus keeps one hand on Sirius's lower back, pinning them together, and kisses him deeply, while waving his other hand to conjure a soft bed right there in the garden, surrounding it with softly glittering lights and privacy charms that shimmer in the air around them. I'm going to fuck you under the stars, Sirius, Remus says, nipping at Sirius's lips and bringing both hands to his face to cup his cheeks. Because you're one of them, and I want you to feel free. Sirius tilts his head upward to gaze at the dazzling heavens and his eyes fall shut as Remus plunges against Sirius's neck, sucking hard behind the hinge of his jaw, 
and threading his fingers through Sirius's silky hair. Remus pulls Sirius's head back further, and kisses and sucks his way down the column of Sirius's throat, gliding his fingers against the slick skin and making Sirius writhe and moan beneath his hands. Can I undress you, love? Remus whispers, hot and steamy against the shell of Sirius's ear, and all Sirius can do is whine and put his arms up obediently in reply. Remus grips the bottom of his too-big t-shirt and pulls it over his head, running feather-like fingertips against the soft, tender skin on the underside of Sirius's arms and down his waist. He works open Sirius's belt and pushes off his trousers and pants in a single motion. God, you're still so fucking beautiful, Padfoot, Remus murmurs. He presses his palms to Sirius's chest and drops to his knees reverently, running his hands down his ribs and narrow waist. He wraps his arms around Sirius's thighs, and hugs him tightly, kissing his chest, his stomach, his hips, everywhere he can reach, and Sirius forgets how skinny he is, how prematurely old and ragged he looks, and instead, feels lovely and perfect under Remus's worshipful gaze. Remus noses at the trail of hair that runs from Sirius's belly button to his groin and breathes him in with a sigh before swirling his tongue against the swollen head of Sirius's cock. Remus's hands slide up the backs of Sirius's thighs to grip his arse cheeks as he takes Sirius's length down his throat, and again, Sirius's knees start to weaken underneath him at the incredible, wet heat of Remus's mouth. How could he have forgotten this feeling, this transcendent bliss of being swallowed down by the most perfect lips on earth? He looks at Remus kneeling in the grass and keens at the sight of him, fully clothed with his gorgeous mouth stretched around him. He tangles his fingers in Remus's hair and pulls, making Remus moan vibration straight down his cock. Remus casts a wordless cleaning charm and slides a slick finger into the cleft of Sirius's arse, pushing and teasing against Sirius's hole, and this time, his legs do give out, and he starts to collapse, as though his body is unaccustomed to pleasure this rich. Remus is standing and catching him instantly. He scoops Sirius up effortlessly and walks them to the bed, and Sirius wraps his arms around Remus's neck and buries his face there, breathing in his woodsy moony smell, before he sets Sirius down gently into the soft mattress. Remus swings a leg over Sirius's hips to straddle him, while Sirius does some wordless magic of his own, vanishing Remus's clothes like he used to when they were twenty and too eager to even get through their bedroom door. Haven't lost your touch then, Remus laughs into a kiss. Sirius sighs blissfully as Remus settles his full weight on top of him. Being underneath Remus's heavy, warm, strong body makes him feel calm and safe in a way he barely remembers. Sirius wraps his arms and legs around Remus and hugs him tightly. They kiss again, their bodies sliding together, until Sirius feels something hard poke into his chest. What's this? Sirius asks, his fingers finding the small band of metal before he realizes what he's holding. It's my engagement ring, Remus says, propping himself up on his elbows to look at the thin gold band that Sirius holds between his fingers. I took to wearing it round my neck when I started working at Hogwarts to avoid questions. Never got out of the habit, I guess. Silly, probably, considering everything, but. Sirius doesn't let him finish. Instead, he cuts Remus off with a wild, desperate kiss, and pulls him closer, as close as they can get, 
licking extravagantly into Remus's mouth and rolling his hips upward to grind and slide their hard, aching bodies together. Mooney, Mooney, his darling, beautiful love. He feels like his heart will explode with joy. I never want to leave you again, Remus, serious pants between kisses. Never again. Never, baby, never, Remus agrees, and kisses across Sirius's face, onto his forehead and cheeks, on each eyelid, down his neck and chest. He licks and bites against Sirius's pebbled nipples, making his body arch upward, and kisses down his stomach and along the sensitive skin of his inner thigh, where he works a purple mark between his tongue and teeth. He continues downward and settles himself between Sirius's legs, presses his thighs upward, and buries his face into the cleft of Sirius's arse, running his tongue along his rim and licking into it like a man starved. Remus used to say he could live there, between Sirius's thighs, and eat his arse for weeks, and the memory of it bubbles up out of Sirius, joyful and buoyant. But then Remus is replacing his tongue with a single finger, moving slowly and gently against his entrance, after so many years of Sirius being untouched, and the world narrows to that spot. Is this all right? Remus asks in a voice so tender that Sirius wants to cry. It's perfect, he replies breathlessly. Just, just go slow. And he does. Remus reaches one hand upward to lace his fingers into Sirius's, making him feel even safer and more loved, and presses one slick finger carefully and gently against him. He slides in slowly and Sirius gasps at the intimacy of being stretched open as Remus moves in and out, the feeling both foreign and familiar. Any pain soon dissolves into pure pleasure, but it's still a long time before Sirius feels a second slippery finger pressing against him. Are you ready for another, baby? Yes, please, Sirius says, and Remus slides in a second finger alongside the first. Now the stretch is wider but still feels so good, and it isn't long before Sirius is asking for the third himself, rocking and pushing feverishly against Remus's hand. Remus crooks his fingers up and back and hits the place that sends fireworks of pleasure exploding through Sirius's body. God, Mooney, yes, ah, uh, yes, he cries out, his legs falling open as Remus slides his fingers out, leaving him empty and needing. No, please come back, Sirius whimpers, and sighs gratefully as he feels the head of Remus's cock pressing and slipping up and down against his entrance. I'm going to go slow and let you lead, all right? Remus whispers as he lines himself up, and Sirius nods. Sirius's head is tipped back and his eyes are shut, but he realizes he wants them open, and he watches Remus push into him, hears his breath stutter at the feeling of Sirius's tightness around him, and sees the bliss blooming across his face when their bodies join together. Even after three fingers, Remus feels huge, and Sirius's hard dick twitches at the combined feeling of Remus's thick cock pressing into him and the memory of getting railed on every surface of their flat. Remus pauses part way in and his arms shake as he holds himself still and steady. More, Sirius pants, and inhales sharply as Remus pushes even deeper and stops again, this time dipping his head to kiss and lick against Sirius's shoulder. Sirius takes a few deep breaths, letting himself relax around his thickness, then sighs, begging for still more, and Remus slides the rest of the way in, sure and deep. 
Remus's tight balls press against Sirius's arse and every sensation is heightened as Remus fully sinks himself inside. Sirius feels each nerve ending in his body firing as Remus rolls his hips slowly to let Sirius get used to his fullness. A tear leaks from the corner of Sirius's eye and slides down his temple as he tips his head back. Remus angles himself just so, and... Fuh-fuh-fuck, Mooney. Fuck. Sirius yells, and he almost comes right then, without Remus even thrusting into him at all. Remus lowers himself down so their bodies are flushed together and starts to move his hips in slow, shallow thrusts. They kiss messily. Sirius's cock pressed and pumping between their stomachs feels so good, and even better when Remus wordlessly casts another lubrication charm to make Sirius's cock glide, slippery and wonderful, with every thrust. Go harder, harder, Sirius pants, and Remus doesn't need telling twice. He pulls his hips backwards and snaps back in, punching in and out fast and hard, until Sirius demands him still deeper. Remus pulls out and dips his head down between Sirius's legs again, this time wrapping his hands around the backs of his thighs and pushing them back so Sirius's arse is nearly straight up in the air. He plunges his tongue into Sirius and fucks him with it until he's a begging, babbling mess. Then, Remus gets up on his knees, presses Sirius's legs back even more, so he's folded in half, and fucks him relentlessly, his cock hitting his prostate again and again. Sirius feels himself sliding under a warm weight of cottony bliss as Remus pulls his dick out and licks into him for a third time, then rolls Sirius onto his side and fucks him from behind with his arms wrapped snugly around him, one hand pressed against his chest and the other, pumping Sirius's rock-hard cock in his slippery fist. You're so... Fucking. Perfect, Remus breathes against his neck, pumping hard into Sirius. My perfect, beautiful love. I want to be inside you forever. I love you, Sirius. I love you. And with Remus's words, Sirius's body trembles, tightens, and shakes. He cries out in ecstasy as his orgasm rocks through his legs and arms and chest like a tsunami. Remus fucks him through it until Sirius's vision blurs and whitens, and within a few seconds, he's moaning again as Remus spills into him, filling him perfectly. Remus thrusts into Sirius once more and stays there, keeping his still hard cock pushed deep inside. He pulls Sirius close, pressing his sweaty chest against Sirius's back, and reaches one hand up to stroke Sirius's hair. But Sirius is barely aware of anything beyond the buzzing, tingling sensation of their bodies touching and of Remus's breath warming the back of his neck. He's slipping, slipping into sweet oblivion, and Remus lets him, holds him, and whispers praise in his ear, for how long Sirius doesn't know. My perfect padfoot, my beautiful Sirius. I love you. I never stopped loving you, and I never will. You're so good, so perfect, my sweet, darling love. When Sirius comes back to himself, he's already cleaned up, wearing a fresh pair of pajamas, and tucked into crisp new sheets. Hello, beautiful, Remus kisses him awake. Have a sip of water, baby. Sirius lifts his head off the soft mound of pillows and drinks. He opens his eyes, and Remus is lying on his side next to him, 
looking adorable in a pair of red and gold Gryffindor pajamas, and running his fingers in soft circles against Sirius's shoulder blades. How are you feeling? Remus asks, and Sirius hums with blissed-out contentment. I'm, amazing, he whispers. I love you, Mooney. Would you like to sleep out here tonight? Remus asks, and Sirius nods, not really caring where they are, as long as they're together. His eyelids are heavy, and Remus kisses him gently and slowly. Sirius feels himself falling again, as Remus's fingers on his shoulder blades and sweet words lull him into a deep, dreamless sleep. The next morning, Sirius wakes to birds chirping over his head and a white, watery moon hanging fat and nearly translucent against a light blue sky. Remus is still sleeping next to him, looking beautiful and perfect, and Sirius kisses his cheek, before reaching a hand into the collar of Remus's shirt and pulling out his engagement ring. He unclasps the chain around his neck, slides the ring off into his palm, and waves his wand over it with a muttered duplicy. Suddenly there are two identical rings in his hand. He slips one onto his finger and the other onto Remus's, then laces their hands together, snuggles up against Remus's side, and falls back to sleep. They take almost everything from you when you get to Azkaban. But they can never take this. Epilogue, Sirius gives Harry the two-way mirror, unwrapped, and immediately explains what it does. They use it regularly, thus avoiding the Department of Mysteries fight and Sirius's untimely death. Sirius and Remus are still happily married and probably fucking under the stars as we speak. Finite Thanks for listening to this text to speech podfic composed by Burning Aurora.